There's a story of a young couple who's uh, about to get married, and it's not about myself. Um, there's a story about this is a story about this young couple. Uh, as the marriage for their wedding comes closer and closer, um, the future husband and wife they got a bit more and more worried because they each had secrets of their own that each other didn't know about. So as they started coming closer, the husband to be he went to his dad because he just can't bear his secret anymore, and he has to ask his dad for advice. So he goes up to his dad. Dad, I'm really worried about the success of my marriage. I'm, I'm worried that it's going to fail. And then Dad asked uh, his son, Why are you so worried about it? What's wrong? And he goes, Dad, I have a secret. He goes, Dad, my feet really stinks. My feet really smells really, really bad. But I'm scared that when, when I'm married, my wife would smell it and then she would be so worried and so scared and disgusted by my stinky feet that she's going to want to, she's going to, want to divorce me. And then the dad's like, oh, science, no secret. I know about this already. I can smell your feet from ever since we were a kid. But the dad gives him advice. He goes, son, if you follow my advice, I'm sure your marriage will be okay. So then the dad tells his son this. He says, son, just make sure you wash your feet a lot. And that every time, like, before you go to bed, put socks on your feet. Always keep a sock on. And then the son goes, okay, this sounds like it's going to work. Okay, so I'll try, I'll try. And at the same time, the future wife-to-be also has a secret. And then the wife goes to his mother and asks her advice. She goes, mom, I have a secret. And I'm worried about the success of my marriage too because my future husband too doesn't know about this yet. And the secret is that my mouth actually stinks really, really bad in the morning. So I'm scared that my breath is going to smell so much that it's going to disgust my husband and my marriage might fail. So then the mother tells his daughter, Oh, don't worry. If you follow my advice, it's going to be okay. And the advice is this. Just make sure when you wake up, first thing you do is run into the washroom and brush your teeth. Don't even say a word. Don't even talk to your husband at all. And the wife goes, Okay, I think this is going to work. So then the, the wedding came and they had a beautiful marriage. And six months later, after they got married, everything was fine and dandy until one morning when the husband woke up. And he finds out and realizes that his sock was missing from his feet. So he goes, oh no, where's my sock? Where's my sock? So he starts searching everywhere in his bed, looking everywhere. And of course this wakes up his wife. And his wife gets scared and goes, what on earth are you doing? And then the husband says, oh no, you swallowed my sock. <laughs> See? We, we all have secrets, no matter how close we are with our family or our spouse. We all have secrets within our hearts, within our lives. And I know it's okay to have secrets. But the thing is, some secrets in our lives um, can cause us to be distant from God. There are secrets, there are certain desires, there are certain thoughts in our lives, in our hearts, that can really distract us from becoming a fully committed disciple in Christ. And that's what we want to talk about today. And the thing is, the truth is, all of us probably have some sort of secret or desires or thoughts in our lives, in our hearts, that we prioritize over God. Things that pull us and distract us from our spiritual formation. And the thing is, there's a guy in the Bible that struggles with this exact case. 
this case, there's something in its heart, in its life, that just pulls us away. That is, uh, something is like that becomes a roadblock in its uh, discipleship to becoming more like Jesus. And the thing is, Jesus handles this in an interesting way that we're going to look at. So I invite you all to turn with me to the, your Bible and your pews uh, to Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 30. Matthew 19, 16 to 30. Anyway, I'll read it and you can just follow along. It's on page uh, 908 to 909 in your Bibles, in the Pew Bibles. So let's look at this. Verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you, enter, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with human beings, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So here we have a rich young man, a very successful guy, and he comes to Jesus, and he asks him, Jesus... What else do I need to do to get eternal life? I mean, this guy, he knows all the commandments. You know, Jesus says, oh, if you, if you want to follow me, you need to you see, know all the commandments. You've got to do all this, you've got to follow all this. And then the guy says, yeah, I have followed all your commandments. I have followed everything that you wanted me to do. And then, and then, but then there's just something wrong in his heart. He still feels something is missing. I mean, he asks, what do I still lack? What do I still lack? I mean, if this guy was living today, he's probably equivalent to someone who goes to church ever since when he was a kid. He goes to Sunday every week, he goes to Sunday school, which begins next week, he goes to fellowship, he goes to home builders, he goes to small groups, he attends everything. He attends the church barbecues, summer conference, and camps. This guy knows the Bible inside and out. And he follows everything that Christians should do to the dots. But there's still something wrong. After doing all these things, he still feels something is missing in his relationship with God. Something is still lacking. 
So the question is, what does he still lack? And 1 Samuel 16.7 actually talks about this. All the way back in the Old Testament, we get a clue to what is missing in the heart of this rich young ruler. This is the part where uh, uh, the Lord was talking to Samuel when they were searching for a new king. When they were searching for David. And this is what the Lord says to Samuel. He says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is exactly what I think Jesus is getting at. You see, when the young man came to find Jesus, asking him, what was he still missing in his life? Jesus tells him to look in his heart. See, the young man was looking at all the external things. He was looking at all the externalities. But Jesus looked inside his heart and sees what he was missing. See, the young man was focused so much on following the rules, focused on so much on following the, the commandments, focused on so much on what he's supposed to do, that he forgets about what was festering and growing inside his heart. Jesus sees the inside. And he realizes that this young man actually had a deep love and a deep desire for wealth and money. And that's exactly where Jesus challenges him at. But also when we look at the rest of the New Testament in the Bible, nowhere does the Bible talk about uh, Jesus preaching about that the way for a sinner to be saved, you have to sell your possessions and your wealth. Nowhere does Jesus teach that, that, oh, to get to heaven, you have to be poor. To get to heaven, you have to sell your money, sell your house, sell everything. Nowhere does Jesus teach that. But Jesus challenges him here, which indicates that this is the one thing that's holding the young man back from fully committing to Christ. But at the end, unfortunately, the rich young man walks away sad and, in, and grieving. But instead, he could have chosen to walk away with joy and peace if he followed Christ. So what did the rich young ruler lack? He lacked a fully committed heart to follow Christ. There's a saying that says, The church is full of members, but not enough disciples. The church is full of members, but not enough disciples. What does this mean? It means that being saved and being a Christian does not automatically make you a disciple of Christ. To be a disciple, you need to have true commitment. The mark of a true disciple is that you need to surrender all aspects, every single part of your life and your heart to God. And you need to prioritize your pursuit to become more like Jesus above all else. See, Jesus requires our whole hearts and not just what is convenient. I mean, think about it. Many times as a Christian, we offer to God only what is convenient. I mean, we only offer God our time whenever it's convenient. We offer God our money only when it's convenient. We offer God our energy, our resources only when it's convenient. We offer God our service, our attention most of the time, only when it's convenient. 
See, the story today about the rich young ruler may resound with many of us, if not probably even all of us. See, there are things in our hearts and our lives that just entangles our relationship with God. For some of us, like the rich young ruler, the things that are distracting us and pulling us away from God could be the desire for wealth and for money. For some of us, it could be just too busy that we are not setting time aside for Christ. For some of us, it could be greed. It could be lust. It could be jealousy for other things. For some of us, it could even be addictions. Disbelief, doubt, insecurities. Many things that can pull us away from Christ. See, even though we are doing all the right things on the outside, Jesus looks beyond all that and sees the inside. What is holding us back? What is holding us back from truly committing as a disciple? There's a story called uh, uh, One Expensive Pearl. And it talks about this jewelry store that contains some of the most expensive jewels in the entire world. And people from all over the world will come to this jewelry store to, to look at um, all, the, all the treasures. But out of the store, there's one treasure that is more expensive and more captivating than everything else. In the middle of the store was a big, gigantic pearl. And it was in one of the most expensive cases and for protection. And people, when they come, they would just automatically gather and gravitate towards this pearl. And they would just stand there for hours, just admiring its beauty. And sometimes, they would, the rich ones, they would want to find out how much this pearl cost. So then they would go to the owner of the store and they would ask, Hey, how much is this, this uh, pearl? I want to add it to my collection. And then the owner would tell every single person who asked him that question, he would say, this pearl would cost everything that you own. It would cost everything that you own. And when the people hear that, the price is way too high. They just can't afford it. They're not willing to give it all, everything that they have for that pearl. So they would walk away. But one day, there's a homeless man who came to the store. It was just it's raining outside, so he walked into the store trying to avoid all the rain. So as he comes inside, he sees the pearl too. So then he walks towards the pearl again, just like everyone else, and just admires its beauty. And like everyone else, he notices that there's no price tag to his pearl. And at the end, after a while, he just can't stand it any longer. He just needs to know how much his pearl costs. So he goes over to the owner of the store again, and he goes, how much does that pearl cost? And then the owner said the same thing to him as he does to everyone else. He says, this pearl will cost everything that you own. Everything. And just hearing about how high the price was, the homeless man walks back to the pearl and just starts staring at it again. But after a while, he can't, he can't stand anywhere. He just, the pearl is just too captivating. So then he takes off his jacket puts it into his shopping cart along with all of his possessions and he pushes it to the owner of the store and he goes, here, this is everything that I own. And without hesitation, the jeweler opens up the case and gives the homeless man the pearl. You see, at the end of today's passage, when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who's rich, he's not kidding. Now, I believe that Jesus isn't just talking about wealth and money here. 
what he's talking about is that when we start valuing things of this world more and more and more it becomes more and more difficult for us to value the kingdom of God when we value things of this world when we start holding on to the treasures of this world it becomes more difficult for us to treasure things in the kingdom of God and that's what Jesus is talking about here and today I just want to ask you guys and give you a chance to reflect upon your own personal walk with God about your own uh, discipleship formation your spiritual formation and these are questions I want to ask you what are the things in your life that hinders your growth as a Christian I think there are many things in our life as I mentioned today there are distractions there are sin there are things that just hold us back what are they what are the secrets in your heart what are the thoughts desires the ambitions that you have that you prioritize over your walk with God and the second question is this what do you need to do to surrender these things to God I mean when you think about all this in the story it's rich and wealth Jesus challenges the rich young ruler to sell everything that's a very extreme thing to do it's important for us to be made clear that Jesus doesn't call us to sell everything but what it means is we need to hide I mean so we need to put away all the things that are pulling us away from God but above all else at the end we're human we're sinners and we constantly struggle with the temptations of this world it's true all of us do and that's when the beauty of God comes in as we sung today and we're reminded of through the song lyrics it's all because of God's grace you know at the end we could we could beat ourselves for you know treasuring wealth for treasuring other things above God for not being a true disciple in Christ but at the end God loves us so much that he still gives us a chance that's when we need to come back to him to ask him for forgiveness and to ask him to give us the strength to work through all these things again so are you willing to offer God all of your life today what are the things in your hearts that really distracts you from him